We're doing it big this Mock Draft Monday with seven New Orleans Saints mock drafts, including two brand new seven rounds and a quick rundown of a bunch of different analysts and writers as well, which will include one of my favorite pairings at 16 and 19 I've seen so far. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. You can find me over at USA Today's Saints Wire, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. They have you covered this season with more odds, lines, props, more of it all than ever before. Go and check them out at Bet Online where the game starts. So we're going to get into some rapid fire mock drafts here, including what might be one of my favorite pairings at 16 and 19 that I have seen so far, courtesy of our good friend from over at Locked On Dolphins, as well as over at the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs. But before we get to his mock, I want to talk a little bit about the most recent mock from Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy from over at the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. We're going to do five different mocks here These first two are first round only. So we're really just talking about picks 16 and 19. An interesting pairing here in Ryan Tracy's most recent mock draft at 16, going with wide receiver Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Of course, we understand how explosive he is, but he is coming off that ACL injury. Hopefully will be available to begin the season, according to Trey Wingo, who joined us just a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week ago now, um, that Jamison is... Uh, you know, ahead of schedule in terms of his uh, recovery and his rehabilitation process and everything. So maybe we'd be able to hit the field a little bit sooner than most expect, but I wouldn't expect him to be out there week one, right? Might be more like a week four, week six type of situation, but you're okay with that because of what he gives you in what will now be a 17 game season for the rest of the year as an absolutely dynamic and explosive field stretching, deep threat guy who can also create with the ball in his hand. At 19, And I've talked to these guys. I've said, hey, stop with the quarterbacks at 16 and 19. Leave it alone. Uh, But at 19, if you get the wide receiver, and in this case, most of the tackles were already off the board as well, it is pretty interesting. But the thing that's most interesting here and that I want to highlight is that it's not Kenny Pickett, which is who we usually see. Malik Willis went earlier. This time, Desmond Ritter, who is my QB2, comes off the board as the second quarterback in this draft, immediately followed by Kenny Pickett to the Pittsburgh Steelers at 20. I'm going to tell you this now. If the Saints pick a quarterback at 19, I'd rather it be Desmond Ritter than Kenny Pickett. I just feel like Desmond Ritter has the higher ceiling, a little bit more pro-ready. Yes, he has some accuracy things, but as we talked about before, physical limitations are something that you can't really make any better. Mental limitations, things like that, um, accuracy limitations, uh, mechanics, issues like that, you can fix. Those are things that you can work on, that you can adjust, and you have a fantastic quarterback coach in Ronald Curry who can help to make that happen. So I would rather work with a guy that has some traits that need to be fixed as opposed to physical limitations like we see with Kenny Pickett. So interesting pairing there at 16 and 19, not one that we see often. Jamison Williams at 16, Desmond Ritter at 19. Um, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had here. If all three tackles, or excuse me, all four top tackles are off the board, already at 16 and 19, as was the case in this projection, hence 
no tackle at 16 or 19. I wonder the argument that could have been made for Boston College's Zion Johnson on the interior at either 16 or 19 to help bolster where a lot of the pressure and a lot of the issues that the Saints have had in terms of their offensive line over the course of the last few years, if an investment on the interior offensive line would have made sense, Zion Johnson went two picks later to the New England Patriots uh, at pick 21. Just an interesting tidbit there. Okay, this is probably one of my favorite, if not absolutely my favorite pairing of picks that I have seen so far. Um, Seth Galina from PFF is going to be joining us later on this week. He and I talked about our favorite pairing uh, being Charles Cross and Chris Olave. We break all of that down later on this week. But in Kyle Krabs, what would I do mock draft where he has uh, you know, a couple of things that are a little bit unique in terms of where the quarterbacks land, how none of the quarterbacks really go in the top 15 at all. Uh, but one of the things that's really interesting is that at pick 16, he has Charles Cross falling all the way down to the New Orleans Saints. He's a pure pass protector, but don't forget that he also played in what was effectively a triple option offense when he began at Mississippi State before Mike Leach took over. So you know he can be a run blocker too. You just have to go back past this year's most recent tape or maybe the last two years' most recent tape. So you know that he can do both, but he's going to get dinged because most people are going to be focused on what he did more recently, which is that he played in an offense that passed the ball 80-something percent of the time. But he's my favorite offensive tackle, my top offensive tackle in this class, and I think the best fit for the New Orleans Saints because of his speed, agility, all the things that he can do from an athletic standpoint, as well as just being an absolute monster of a pass blocker. So he picks Charles Cross at 16, turns around at 19 after Chris Olave goes at 17 and Garrett Wilson goes at 18 and selects at pick 19 for the Saints wide receiver Jahan Dotson from Penn State. Now I know, Jahan Dotson, his height, his weight, he's under the usual New Orleans Saints thresholds, but I'm still curious to see if those thresholds are going to shift. We're going to talk about that again here in a little bit as well, but I've talked about Jahan Dotson. I did a whole segment on him a couple days ago about people sleeping on him and him being a first-round wide receiver that's not going to get the attention because he's not you know, as high profile as the Ohio State guys. He doesn't have the bulk and build of guys like Traylon Burks, for instance. So he's going to end up slipping down a lot of these conversations. But if he were to end up being drafted by the Saints along with Charles Cross, that is, uh, those are two massive upgrades to their offense. And I think put them in a really, really, really excellent position at 16 and 19. Now, um, uh, Kyle did do a second round where he was actually able to take Kenny Pickett at pick 49. Again, this was, was a what would I do uh, mock draft for him. So he had some of these quarterbacks falling into that second round. But it's not at all out of the ordinary or out of the question to think that the Saints could potentially target a quarterback in the second round if they don't land one at 16 or 19 that they absolutely love. And that was what Luke Easterling from over at USA Today's Draft Wire did. Uh, pick 16, he went Trevor Pinning. Pick 19, he did Chris Olave, a combination that you've seen me do a ton, that you've seen a lot of mock drafts do a ton. But then at pick, uh, excuse me, in the second round at pick 49, he took North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell. Sam Howell was set to be the consensus number one quarterback in this year's class, but had a, a very unsuccessful 2021, a less than ideal 2021 after losing four of his top receiving options. And I think put him in a situation to where he's now in that conversation as the second tier of quarterbacks in an already sort of downtrodden quarterback class. So I think getting him in the second round, knowing that he has the tools, he's got an NFL arm, you just need to kind of work on him. You're willing to take that risk in the second round, maybe more than you're willing to take that risk in the first, especially after you grab two starters to start off the draft. Next up also with USA Today was over at Touchdown Wire. This was from 
uh, Doug Farah, who had the Saints go with Jameson Williams at 16, so just like uh, Ryan Tracy did. And then at 19, turn around and go with Central Michigan offensive tackle Bernard Raymond. And then in the second round at pick 49, went with Penn State's uh, Arnold Ebiketti, the edge rusher. Now, I'm not a big fan of edge rusher early on in this draft. Third, fourth, fifth round, sure, like a mid-round edge rusher would never be surprised by that. You can't have enough of the guys. But investing a second round pick where you could potentially get, as Mickey Loomis mentioned, a top 20 or 25 player. And passing on a potential starter there to get somebody that goes into a crowded edge rusher room that already includes Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport and Carl Granderson and now Taco Charlton's been added to that. And of course, Peyton Turner coming into his second year after they already invested a first round pick in him last year out of Houston. I just don't know what you do here. Now, the big question here, Chris Olave versus Jameson Williams, happy with either one of them. But one of the ones that I'm really intrigued by is the comparison between Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa and Central Michigan's Bernard Raymond. And for me, the big difference is you have both of these guys who have, you know, mechanics, things that you want to improve upon, hand placement stuff that you want to improve upon, but they both play through the whistle. They both play deep into plays. But one of the things that stands out for me is what is your development potential? And I think your development potential is much higher with Trevor Pinning than it is with Bernard Raymond. And so in this simulation that, um, that Farah did, Pinning was still on the board. He took Raymond ahead of Pinning. And so for me, I'm going to go Pinning for that every time because Trevor Pinning at 22 years old has a little bit more of that development potential ahead of him than a guy like Bernard Raymond, who only has been playing offensive tackle since his junior year, only been two years in that situation after transitioning over from tight end and is already 24 years old as well. So for me, I don't really see the value in banking on a guy that doesn't have that amount of uh, development potential left as opposed to going for the one that does when both of them are on the board. So I lean a little bit more to Easterling's combo there of Olave and Penning as opposed to Williams and um, and Raymond. Okay, final one for this moment, which will lead us into our seven-round mock draft coming up, wherein I do not trade up in the first round, and then we'll get to one where I do trade up in the first round. This is Dylan Sanders from over at USA Today Saints Wire, buddy of mine, of course, friend of the show. Uh, in this one, he trades up from pick 16, sending pick 16 and 98 to the Houston Texans for pick 13. So why does he do that? He did it because safety Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame was still on the board. This would be a really interesting one. Um, Kyle Hamilton is hands down the best player in the draft to me um, and, and to a lot of folks in this NFL draft. And it's a really, really interesting fit because do you bring him in as somebody to be your box safety to replace Malcolm Jenkins or do you bring him in to be your deep safety to replace Marcus Williams. And I personally think that he would be most kind of at his best, especially at six foot four, 220 pounds, playing in Malcolm Jenkins' role as opposed to the deep safety role. You've got Marcus May who can play the deep safety role. You bring in a guy like Kyle Hamilton, who is going to be, you know, a, a, a stalwart player for the you know, remaining future, right? For the foreseeable future for your team. I think he fits a little bit more in that box role as somebody with that size that could play underneath, that has good instincts, that has good reflexes, doesn't have a ton of speed, but you're not too worried about that because of his instincts and his ability to be able to break on the ball, his explosiveness, all of that. He's got good numbers outside of that 40 time. So I'm not really worried about anything else. And you look at his tape, if you're taking him out of the deep safety role to where he has to play sideline to sideline because you have a guy that can do that, one of the best actually at doing it in the NFL and Marcus May, then you end up putting yourself in a good situation by utilizing this six foot four, 220 pound tackling machine, explosive guy underneath, right? Those underneath zones, being able to cut off passes that come in a little bit too low, all that. It just makes a ton of sense. 
Next up at pick 19, he was able to go Chris Olave. Y'all know I love that. Pick 49 in the second round, Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. So if you miss on an offensive tackle early on, there are the, there's kind of this class of offense, offensive tackles that you can get to a little bit later. And Tyler Smith is at the top of that, right? He has the same type of development things that you want to see him get better at, like Trevor Penning, like Bernard Raymond, all of that. But he's a second round prospect, so you're not investing as much in him. So you really, really like that. And then finally, at pick 120 in the fourth round, he had Arizona State running back Rashad White, who is the New Orleans Saints absolute best fit in this draft when it comes to running back. Plain and simple, no arguments. We'll break that down later on this week as we get into running back prototypes because I found some really interesting stuff. And Rashad White sits right at the top of that list, along with Georgia's James Cook. Both of them would be absolutely outstanding. All right, next, we're going to jump into our first seven round mock draft, wherein I don't trade up in the first round, but I do in the second so I could double up at wide receiver pretty early. So I want to make sure I got an outside guy and a slot guy really, really quickly. And I was able to get that done by trading up in the second round. So we'll break that down. I'll tell you who I grabbed and what it took to get there as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But before we get to it, let me tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, who, of course, today's episode is brought to you by and brought to you in part by the number one source for everything you need in terms of sports wagering, sports betting, everything that you're looking for, including sports developments, league reviews, news, and of course, you've got the basketball playoffs, the Pelicans moving on, they drop game one, can they steal game two? And of course, you have the start of the major league baseball season as well. So there's a ton for you to get involved in. Uh, Look, you already love sports, now you get to put some action in there, have a little bit of fun to go along with it. BetOnline is your continued source for all of the sports wagering information from live betting to esports, the playoffs, and even more. So go and check them out. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device so that you can keep up with all of the trends and action. It's BetOnline where the game starts. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't miss all of the NFL draft coverage that we have going on. We're going through Mock Draft Monday today. That's only a little bit of what we've got going on here across the network. You've also got the Ultimate Mock Draft, which is available over in the Locked on NFL podcast, as well as the Ultimate NFL Mock Draft 2022 podcast feed. Go and check that out. That's going to include insight for all of our picks from guys like Mike Dettelier is going to be a big part of it as well. Uh, You've got Michael Irvin, the three-time Super Bowl champion and the Hall of Fame wide receiver. That's a part of it. So make sure you go and check that out again over the Lockdown NFL podcast, as well as the Ultimate NFL Mock Draft 2022 podcast feed. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown NFL YouTube page because we've got three days of live coverage coming up next week as the NFL draft is 10 days away. All three days covered for you from our studios over in Dallas. Okay. Now, I want to jump into our first seven-round mock draft. I'll go through the picks pretty quickly, but stop to highlight a couple of small things here. So again, 16 and 19, this combination here of Trevor Penning and Chris Olave feels very natural, feels like one that could very much be available to the Saints at those spots, as long as they don't do anything kind of you know crazy or move around or whatever. If they stand pat at 16 and 19, some players like Trevor Penning or Chris Olave or comparable should be available at either one of those. And you can kind of prioritize whichever one you feel is most important based upon who's left on the board, right? If you get to 16 and there are still, you know, two or three tackles that you're interested in, then maybe you jump at wide receiver first and then take the last remaining tackle at 19. 
or you go tackle first and then pick up at wide receiver, which makes a little bit more sense to me since that wide receiver class in the first round is a little bit deeper than the tackle class is. Now, I wanted to double up at wide receiver back to back. And I know that that's probably not going to happen, but this is my mock draft. So I'm going to do what I want. So for me, I decided that I wanted to grab a guy that I haven't really gotten the opportunity to talk about much, but the Saints have had in for a visit, which doesn't necessarily guarantee anything. They draft a lot of guys that they never meet with. Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, both good examples of that outside of the senior bowl, of course. Uh, But they brought this guy in for a top 30 visit. And I thought, well, let me give it a shot. So I traded with the New York Jets in this simulation. I sent a pick 49 and 161 to the Jets to move up to 38. And I was also able to get, you know, a, a late round pick back. It was kind of a late round pick swap. So for me, when I did that, I was able to then move up to grab Western Michigan wide receiver Sky Moore, who is going to be a phenomenal slot receiver in the NFL. Now, again, much like Jahan Dotson, his size alone probably actually rules him out for the New Orleans Saints. But I think in today's NFL, you got to start making some adjustments to the go get the big man type of wide receiver that can do a little bit of everything. And sometimes you just have to grab a guy that specialized regardless of what their size is. And usually for the New Orleans Saints to break those prototypes, there has to be something special about that player. And there's a lot special about Sky Moore. He's not the fastest guy in the world or anything like that, although he did put up good numbers at the combine. He is, though, a guy that has phenomenal hands that makes really great catches in the contested middle of the field area and has fantastic short area quickness as well. So he's perfect for a slot role, which I think the Saints can address, along with also addressing the outside with a player like Chris Olave. So I moved up to 38. I grabbed Sky Moore so I could double up there. At pick 98, I grabbed Phi Mathis. What's the rule? If you can grab a defensive tackle from Alabama in the third round, you do. So that one was an easy one. Then I went to 120, Rashad White. We'll talk more about him later on this week. Uh, But as I just mentioned, he is the best fit in the NFL draft when it comes to running back for the New Orleans Saints. Ross, why are you drafting a running back? We don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to be available for what? Anywhere between four to six games, potentially at the beginning of the season, based upon everything that went on with his, um, his Vegas altercation and everything. So there's still so much to figure out there. So you want to find somebody that can possibly play a role akin to his. You lost Ty Montgomery, who's now a New England Patriot. So who can you find in this draft that can play a role much like Alvin Kamara's, but then also still be of value when Alvin Kamara is back and is in the lineup, or if he doesn't end up suspended for any reason? I think that you can get a guy like Rashad White that can help to do that. Now, I think you've got Mark Ingram, you've got Tony Jones Jr., both of which struggled a bit last year with the injuries along the offensive line. You look at Tony Jones Jr.'s first game up against the Green Bay Packers, and you felt really, really excited. Yeah, the Saints made the right choice. They didn't pay Latavius Murray for a reduced role, so they moved on from him, and they kept Tony Jones Jr., and he looked great week one. But then all the offensive line injuries started immediately, and that's when you started to see things kind of fall off for Tony Jones. So you know you can add somebody to um, to that room that is able to sort of create their own yardage as opposed to needing yardage created for them by the offensive line. So that's why I like Rashad White, who could do a little bit of everything. Then I went with safety, JT Woods, obviously with me doubling up at wide receiver instead of doubling up or or taking a safety early, which that trade up to 38, I could have taken Jalen Petrie. But instead, I go with his Baylor secondary mate, his Baylor safety mate, JT Woods, who is like, you know, a, a big bodied guy that could do a bunch, six foot two, nearly 200 pounds, really, really athletic, absolutely blew up the combine, ran in the four or threes, it's kind of a luxurious need type, and I want to shout out. Um, I want to shout out Corbin Smith from over at Locked On Seahawks, who did his uh, kind of 
prospect spotlight on JT Woods and, and made that comparison. We really liked Legereus Sneed on the show when he was coming out. He eventually ended up going to uh, Kansas City. So you get a guy like JT Woods who gets into the mix with these other players like Justin Evans and uh, you know PJ Williams and all to sort of figure out what you can do at safety. But he can also play corner. He can play in the slot. You can kind of do whatever you want with him. I can play weak side linebacker. If you need them to, those Baylor secondary players are incredibly versatile, incredibly athletic. And so that was just something that was very hard to pass on at 163, which was that late round pick that I was able to pick up in that trade. So really, really good stuff there to be able to grab him and somebody that I really, really like and think would have an interesting fit, maybe a future PJ Williams who's able to play all over the place. Uh, And then at pick 194, and I say that because PJ Williams, by the way, eventually will stop taking these one-year deals and go somewhere else. He's done it four years in a row. So I think you need to have a backup plan for him, especially one on a rookie contract. Okay. And then at 194, I was able to get one of my favorite tight ends in this class, Charlie, Charlie Collar uh, out of Iowa State. He's just a, a young athletic guy, big bodied. He's able to run the seam, be one of those seam stretch type of players, but he's also a a good blocker, has some great athleticism as well. So I was able to pick him up at 194 and then still be able to add another weapon over to the offense. So in this draft, I was able to get a a few starters. I mean, if you consider slot receiver a starter, I got three with the first three selections, probably got four with the first four selections because of five math is, and then you have Rashad White who just gives you another weapon as a rotational piece. You got a def- another defensive rotational piece in JT Woods, and then somebody that can develop into uh, a pass catcher for you pretty quickly in Charlie Collar out of Iowa State getting that tight end. So I really like what we were able to do with this one. That one was just a trade up to get up to uh, pick 38. In the next one, I traded up in the first round just to see what we could do. I went ahead and worked with uh, Luke Braun from over at Locked on Vikings to figure out a trade up up to 12 so I can get my favorite offensive tackle in this class. And then I did a little bit of trade back at the end. Would it be the first time since 2007? Just some day three pick swaps there to make sure that I was able to get two of my favorite late round prospects as well. A couple of sleepers that I was able to welcome to New Orleans with that move. So we'll take a look at that as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. But first, Built Bar, best tasting protein bar on the market. Can't tell you how fantastic these are. So try them yourself. Head over to Built.com. You can check out all of the fantastic flavors that they have and all the other great products that they have as well. But I want to highlight the Built Puffs because it's the world's first protein-infused marshmallow. I have no idea how Built Bar did it, but they did it, and they did it really well because those brownie batter Built Puff Bars are absolutely ridiculous. You can try also the cinnamon churro. There's also a coconut cream pie. There's a banana cream pie as well that you can look at. So there's a ton of those along with your standard flavors like mint brownie. Cherry Barcia gets a lot of rave reviews. And you can look at if you're a coconut person, coconut, coconut almond as well, kind of like Mounds and Almond Joy in that way. So you can go and check those out over at Built.com. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, so you can get 15% off of your next order, whether it's your first or your next, doesn't matter. You're going to get 15% off with the promo code LOCK15 over at Built.com. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with our final seven-round mock draft. This one I traded up in the first round. I traded back in the sixth round. So a little bit different here, uh, just in terms of trying to do something to maybe talk about a couple of players that I haven't gotten to talk about a couple of sleepers down at the end of the draft. So I was able to 
uh, trade up here using the selections and the picks that Luke Braun and I discussed. We kind of did this back and forth over on Locked on Vikings, which you can go and check out on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And so here's the trade. Round one, pick 12, and round three, pick 77 from the Vikings. That's what I get for the Saints. And what I send is round one, pick 19, because I wanted to hold on to 16. Round two, pick 49, and round five, 161. So I'm vacating a uh, top 50 selection here. And I'm doing it in the uh, sort of, I guess, with the guise of trying to make sure that I got a top 15 selection because there's a tackle that I wanted. He was there. So I went after him and I got him. And that tackle was, should not surprise you at all, Mississippi State offensive tackle, Charles Cross. I talked about his athleticism. I talked about his size. Everything about him is fantastic. Now, listen, Trevor Penning would be a very, very good get as well. He's lengthy. He's big. He's got great talent. He plays through the whistle, does a lot of things really, really well. And Charles Cross also does really, really well. But Charles Cross may be needing a little bit less polishing than Trevor Penning does and is my top tackle in this class. So when he was sitting there at 12, which is possible because, again, the NFL might look him over because of this pass-heavy offense that he's been a part of with Mike Leach, and they're looking for you know running back, or, 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 excuse me, run game guys as well, which I think he'll also be able to be fine in. I'm going to take advantage of that with that slip. So I was able to do that and then turn around at pick 16. And I had my pick of the litter when it came to uh, wide receivers. The only wide receivers that were off the board were Drake London, who I'm not very interested in anyway, and Jamison Williams. And I'm okay with that because I can get a version of Jamison Williams that maybe doesn't have the same run after catch ability, but has the health. So those two things balance each other out. And I went with, surprise, surprise, Ohio State's Chris Olave. So I won't bore you with those details. Now, I didn't have a second round selection, didn't have a top 50 selection, but I got two complete bona fide starters, not any concerns. These guys are day one plug and play guys right away, right? So I sat around until pick 77, probably could have traded up, but I wanted to see what would be available here. And I was able to grab a third starter here in Greg Dolchich, my tight end one in this draft. John Ledyard also placed him as his tight end one. Big fan of what Dolchich can do. I think he's got a little bit of, of stuff to work out, a little bit of like tightness in the hips and stuff, but you just look at him at the tops of routes and at his breaks. I mean, this guy's a route runner through and through as a tight end and is a big time catch threat. If you were an LSU fan, you saw it all happen in Los Angeles when they played UCLA to open up the season last year. So I was able to grab Greg, Greg Dolchich here, who really should like leapfrog guys like Adam Troutman and even probably Nick Vanette, as long as like training camp goes well for him. Then I was able to keep 98 and 120. I stayed there for those. At pick 98, I went with Kirby Joseph, the safety out of Illinois. Uh, it gives you a safety that Gives you the, the size that you like at the position, but is a bit of a ball hawk. Probably the best ball hawk in this year's class. Not a lot of those deep safety ball hawking single high guys in this class. Maybe Nick Cross and then maybe a little bit of Kyle Hamilton being there who can kind of do everything, but do you trust his range at the NFL level? But Kirby Joseph is absolutely one of those guys. So that was an easy decision for me. So I kind of maybe got another starter there. Move Marcus May over to strong safety where he played in Robert Sala's defense last year, and then have Kirby Joseph as the single high deep safety guy, probably a lot more split zone than you're, that you're running with the two of them, a little bit more of that cover two situation. But you get the 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 ball hawking playmaking ability that you want with a guy like Kirby Joseph. Then at 120, I wanted to get I wanted to keep that double up at wide receiver as I usually do. So I was able to grab Velas Jones Jr., the wide receiver out of Tennessee. He's going to have an immediate connection already with Cody Burns, who turned him around 
last year at UTK in Knoxville. And I get a slot receiver that way too. So it gives me an outside receiver in Chris Olave, gives me a slot receiver in Velas Jones Jr. And then gives me the best kept secret in the NFL in Deontay Hardy, who I can use anytime that I want, anywhere that I want, right? So that's why I ended up going with Velas Jones Jr. there. Then I doubled back. I went with another Tennessee player. So what I did here is that I traded back. So I traded pick uh, pick six, excuse me, pick 194 in round in the sixth round in order to be able to move back a little bit. So I traded with the uh, Cleveland Browns. I got picks 202 and 223 this way by trading back out of 194. There were two prospects on the board that I really, really wanted. So I wanted to try my hand at being able to get both of them as opposed to having to choose between them at 194. I unfortunately still walked away with one of them, but I was able to still get another player that I really, really liked. So I was able to get Cade Mays, the offensive, interior offensive lineman out of Tennessee. He's a swing guy. He can play either guard position, either tackle position. So, I mean, hard to pass that up at in the 200s <laughs> at this point. And then at 223, I went with tight end Austin Allen. I was really trying to make sure that I hung around to either be able to grab Jay, excuse me, uh, to be able to grab uh, Charlie Collar again, who I really wanted. But I still got Austin Allen, who has some pretty good numbers to his name. Um, he's somebody that is going to be, you know, uh, uh, six foot seven, 240 pounds. It's going to be a blocking tight end for you, but he's got some good athleticism. He's, you know, really has some agility there as well, has some good explosion. So maybe you can work him in to something as a little bit more of a pass catcher role. But again, this is a seventh round selection. So there's not a lot of pressure for him to really turn into anything. You're just taking a swing here at another tight end that's out there seeing what you can grab. So I went with him. So that gave us an opportunity there to maybe be able to clean up at the end of the draft, but didn't get exactly who I wanted, but was still happy with who I did get. Um, so just to kind of recap, so I opened that draft up with Charles Cross and Chris Olave after a trade up to 12. So at 12 and 16, I was able to grab them. A part of that trade up was me getting 77 back from Minnesota as well. So I went with Greg Dolchitz, the tight end out of UCLA at 98 and 120, the Saints original selections in those positions, Kirby Joseph and Bellis Jones Jr., and then after a trade back in the sixth round for, uh, to get a sixth and seventh round selection at 202 and 223 with Cade Mays out of Tennessee, Austin Allen, the tight end out of Nebraska. So helped us check a bunch of boxes here, a bit more focus on the offensive side uh, than the previous draft, but one that allowed me to get two guys that I just never really have to question in the first round. So I was very excited to do that and be able to get my top tackle and my top wide receiver I was, I, I couldn't pass it up. Couldn't pass it up. All right. Coming up on tomorrow's episode here on Locked on Saints, we're going to dive into more conversation around Rashad White, as well as James Cook, who are the two best fits for the New Orleans Saints. If they decide to invest in a running back, we'll talk about why. And then on Wednesday, we're going to go through all of the trade, all the trends and tendencies of Mickey Loomis and Jeff Ireland since 2015 and see what that tells us about this year's draft class. So we got a ton coming up for you here all throughout the week, as well as being joined by Seth Galina of Pro Football Focus. So make sure you're subscribed and checking out the show every day. Thanks as always, make it as your first listen or watch of the day. For your second listener watch, make sure you go and check out the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Give them some hell because they keep giving quarterbacks at 16 and 19. So just let them know. You can go and let them know. They'll know it's coming from me. It's fine. I appreciate y'all as always making me a part of your day. For everything else that you need around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you're following along on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.